Jesus wants you to have, to, to have identity with him. When you say you're a Christian, that's you're saying that I identify with Christ. Christ in me. Christ, I'm not now being a Christian isn't just like being a football fan or a baseball fan. Being a Christian means that you acknowledge that Christ is your Savior and He lives on the inside of you. He becomes your new identity. So that you can say, hey, no, 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 I'm not going to do this alone. You know, I'm going to do this with Christ. You can say things like, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When you go through situations in your life, you can say, greater is my God than this situation. Why do you think my wife always, every Sunday, I know some of you get, oh, it's so repetitive. Why do you think every Sunday she does Psalm 23? Because she wants to get it in your spirit that, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. Even in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me, and you anoint my head with oil. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you know that word follow means to hunt down like a predator? That's what that word means. So if you're, if the first off, if the first word of verse one isn't your life, the Lord is not your shepherd, you can count the rest of that psalm goodbye. That's no meaning. And you can also see, you can, they, they remember first off, see, I, well, I'm not even, that's not even on my tablet. Why am I going here? Because God's telling me to. First off, it's not actual death. It's a shadow. It's another illusion that the enemy paints to make you think it's death. And yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or whatever situation that it is, because, you know, the shadow of death can come in many forms and shapes and sizes. The shadow of death can come in the form of a sickness. The shadow of death can come in the form of loss of employment. The shadow of death can come in the form of the loss of a loved one. The shadow of death can come in, oh my God, I feel depressed and confused and anxious. I don't know what it is. And you can say that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of this situation, I shall not fear because my God is with me. Come on, give him praise. But if you don't have, if you don't have your identity, you, you can't walk through the valley. And, um, you know, it's just awesome to know we have a, the God that we have. You know, a forgiving God, a loving God. You know, one thing I shared on, on Wednesday, which I'm not going to talk too much about today, but it, may, it will fit into here a little bit. But I think a lot of us have gotten too comfortable with Jesus. You know, we need to have a little more fear of the Lord in our life. You know, he be, he's become this 
this Jesus that, you know, of course we know he loves us and he forgives us and, and all of that. But I think sometimes as people, humans, we take it like that song, I don't want to abuse your grace. Sometimes I think we take that for granted, that he understands and he'll forget. But don't forget, he's, he is the Jesus of Revelation. Amen. The Revelation 2 Jesus. Revelation 1 Jesus where he's standing there with, with, with eyes of fire and a double-edged sword and, and, and burnt bronze feet. I mean, that's the Jesus that we're going to meet. We're not going to meet the Galilean with the fair skin and the long hair. That girl's go. oh, he was a fine Jesus. No. That's not the Jesus we're meeting. Amen. We're meeting the warrior Jesus when we get there. Praise God. Amen. So we just got to get more awareness of, you know, it's, it, we got grace. But that's no reason to just be living crazy in the way we want and expect Jesus' grace to cover us. I mean, they will when you go, forgive me. From, but I think a lot of it, I've been listening to um, a certain book, and it's talking about recent events and the way things are. And the enemy is so busy at work right now, drawing pe first off, drawing people away from believing that there even is a God. And for those of you who don't know, the Illuminati is real. The Illuminati is real. The Illuminati is not defunct. They are firmly in fine working order. They've, they, and, and they pretty much control Hollywood, and they control the deep state of our government. Amen? They are, and and their, their job is to try to get rid of anything that focuses on God, the true God, and Jesus. And what? And, and it's amazing. The number of people that don't even believe in God now, I, 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 I wanted to bring the percentages and, and I left them on my desk. But it's amazing how many people don't even believe in God. But then when you got the ones that are, call themselves Christians, it's amazing of them how many percent of Christians actually believe more of the world view and not the Christian view. You know, and I believe that it's time that as believers, if you're a believer in Jesus, we need to get back to some of the basics of believing in Jesus. Because the enemy is trying to water down the gospel. The enemy is trying to get people to recognize, not even really, even Christians that, well, you know, Jesus is, is yeah, I believe in Jesus, but there's no but. If you believe in Jesus, he's all that the word says he is. Right? He's not... You know, if, he, if the Bible says he's a healer, he's a healer. If he's a deliverer, he's a deliverer. Amen? If, if, if he saves you and makes you whole, that's what he does. You know, and I, 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 and I was thinking this today and yesterday and the day before, real strong in the middle of the week, we talk about the new man a lot. You know, but the, Paul talks about the new man. There's supposed to be a new person on the inside of us when we meet Jesus. There's supposed to be a change. There's supposed to be a different person. Like the old you doesn't exist anymore. The old me doesn't exist anymore. But if we were quickly honest with ourselves, how many of us would recognize that we only got the new man part of the time? Or half, it's like 50-50. Half, half new man, half old man. And a lot of times, we might rather hang out with the old man because the old man quote might be more fun. Or the old man lets us get away with some of the stuff that we, we want to do, even though we know it's wrong. Yesterday I was in my office at the pantry, and I'm going to preach a message on this. I'm a, and I'm sorry, I am going to borrow something from you, Billy Graham. 
But that's a good place to borrow stuff from. But he was talking about sin. And he said, sin is a sedative. Sin, you know what a sedative is? These that put you out, put you to sleep, or relax you. Like we go to, well, how many like going to the dentist? Not me. How many when, no, the dentist is full of, uh, listen, first off, if your first experience is a bad one, the re like, first impression is going to last you for the rest of your life. Whenever I had to go get some tea, I was like, you, been, you are knocking me out. You ever, you, ever put that, you ever put that little mask on your face and you'd start sucking up that nitrous oxide? That's a sedative. Gets you kind of like, yeah, go ahead, bro. Pull out the teeth. But then if you're really bad and you really got a problem, then they put you on a Valium drip. And you out. They're sedating you. That's what sin does to your life. But that's a whole other message. I'm not even call it a, sed a, sed a sedative called sin. But the word of the Lord says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let's read that together. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. See, look, says the thief come to steal. Well, that's obvious. All thieves go to steal, right? Burglars don't break in your house just to say, hey, let's just check out the decor. They're like, yeah, let's check out the decor and take what we want. They're there to steal. But this thief doesn't even want to just steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. See, one thing you got to know is the devil is real. He is your enemy. And when you give your life to Christ, you become on his hit list. He hates you. He never cared for you in the beginning, but now you're not with him. You're on his list. His job is to make you as miserable as he can from the day you get to meet Jesus. See, because he knows that his story has an ending. He can read. He knows the book of End of Revelations. He's trying to slow that down. Who would want to be bound up in the lake of fire for eternity? Not me. That's why we, get, that's why we don't want to go to hell, right? Well, he is the Lord of hell. That's where he's going to spend the rest of his days. So he, his job is to make your life miserable because you left his kingdom and joined God's kingdom. But he wants to destroy you. Jesus says that he has come that we may have life. And not just life, but we can have it more abundantly. Not that you can have just peace. You can have abundant peace. Abundant prosperity. He wants you to have abundance. But you know, with the enemy, you know, the Bible says that he has, got, he has blinded us. He's got an enemy has a lot of people blinded. You'll find that in the book of James. He wants to blind you of who you are in Christ. He wants to blind you of who Christ is. He just wants you to think Jesus is just some picture on the wall that everybody thinks is God. He doesn't want you to get into the recognition of that Jesus is the true and living God with all power 
who conquered hell, death, and the grave and has the keys in his hand and anything that you want and you can have victory in if you get it through Jesus. Jesus wants you to have, to, to have identity with him. When you say you're a Christian, that's, you're saying that I identify with Christ. Christ in me. Christ, I'm not, now being a Christian isn't just like being a football fan or a baseball fan. Being a Christian means that you acknowledge that Christ is your Savior and he lives on the inside of you. He becomes your new identity. So that you can say, hey, no, 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 I'm not going to do this alone. You know, I'm going to do this with Christ. You can say things like, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When you go through situations in your life, you can say, greater is my God than this situation. Why do you think my wife always, every Sunday, I know somebody gets, oh, it's so repetitive. Why do you think every Sunday she does Psalm 23? Because she wants to get it in your spirit that, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. Even in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me, and you anoint my head with oil. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you know that word follow means to hunt down like a predator? That's what that word means. So if you're, if the first off, if the first word of verse one isn't your life, the Lord is not your shepherd, you can count the rest of that psalm goodbye. It has no meaning. And you can also see, you can, they, they remember first off, see, I, well, I'm not even, that's not even on my tablet. Why am I going here? Because God's telling me to. First off, it's not actual death. It's a shadow. It's another illusion that the enemy paints to make you think it's death. And yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death or whatever situation that it is, because, you know, the shadow of death can come in many forms and shapes and sizes. The shadow of death can come in the form of a sickness. The shadow of death can come in the form of loss of employment. The shadow of death can come in the form of the loss of a loved one. The shadow of death can come in, oh, my God, I feel depressed and confused and anxious. I don't know what it is. And you can say that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of this situation, I shall not fear because my God is with me. Come on, give him praise. But if you don't have, if you don't have your identity, you, you can't walk through the valley. So the identity has to be that the Lord is my shepherd. See, David knew who his God was. David knew who his God was. David knew he was a sinner that kept messing up. But he loved God, and he kept shaking it off. David had men and his mighty men. They were so violent. And that you know the reason why David couldn't build the temple? Because he had too much blood on his hands. Even though his blood was for fighting for the kingdom. Being a king. So Solomon built the temple. But David knew who his God was. So you got to have identity with Christ. When David stood before Goliath, he knew one thing. The same God that brought me out of this with the lion and the bear is the same God that's going to handle my business today. See, your God never changes.
we change. We fall short. We drop the ball. We miss the final shot at the buzzer. Not God. Amen? We got to always recognize who he is in us and through us. He's God. But that devil wants you to get out of your identity. First off, he wants you to get complacent, comfortable. Oh, yeah, I'm fine where I'm at. You should never be fine where you're at. In life, you should never be fine where you're at. You should always want more for you and your family, just in natural. The more abundant part of life. You should never be fine with it. I mean, you're there, but you always desire more. When you have kids, how many have the feeling for that? Oh, you know, I want my kid just to have everything I've ever had, maybe even less. No, you want them to have more. You want? Why do you think as parents we try to stop our kids from doing things that we know gonna be bad for them? Because we've been there, done that, and we know we want them to go through life without some of the bangs and bruises. And mishaps that we've experienced or we've seen others experience. But, of course, they don't understand that. We... But then he wants us to compromise. A lot of Christians compromise. We compromise coming to church. We compromise spending time in the Word. We compromise sometimes, well, I can't mention the name of Christ in here because I might get in trouble. I might, well, oh well. If I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And, and if it's going somewhere where you tell me I can't be a Christian, I probably don't want to be where you are anyway. Amen? But we compromise. We compromise in our amount of time we spend with God. We can't, you, we can't afford to do that. That's why a lot of us go, barely make it in life. We got to spend more time with God. And I'm not, you know, there's ways you can spend time with God and still function in your regular life. You know, how many like going to the beach? We live in Florida. That's why we're here, right? But when you go to the beach, you don't have to go to the beach and go to the beach like everybody else does. You can go to the beach and enjoy it, but also be in admiration of how beautiful the things that God created it. I love the beautiful sunsets that God provides when you go to Anna Maria Island. I just love how the sun drops. I just love it. And I give God praise and glory for that way he created the beautiful sands. I just wish he would have created the Gulf of Mexico with a more of a blue tint than aquamarine. But that's okay. If I want that, I just have to go to the Caribbean or something. Praise God. And, but you, know, you, could work, you, could go to the, you could go to the beach and spend time with God. For some reason, I feel closer to God on the beach than anywhere else I go. Praise God. I do. I, I just, ever since, even, even, when, even when I was not following Christ, and I would go to the beach, I would just feel, I would, sometimes I would just go walk on the beach because I, like, I just needed to feel close to God. I don't know what it is about the beach in me. Maybe it's because you got the sun and you got the waves coming in and coming out. There's like so much creation right there. And then, oh, oh, a, 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 a shell. Good thing, but in Jersey, you're, oh, a jellyfish. Oh, you got to wait to see if it hurts, see if you got stung. But there's so much ways you can spend time with God and still live life. See, when God is the center of your life, life is awesome and everything you do is great. 
Amen? First Peter 2.9 says, You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're chosen. We're chosen, handpicked by God. When you give your life to God, it's not you were pit, you were chosen for that moment. And we're supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to stand out. We're not supposed to fit in. I'll tell you what. We all know who David Crowder is when he steps on stage, right? But I guarantee you, anywhere that man goes, they know there's something different about that brother. Even when he sits down at a diner at 3 o'clock in the morning, and he says, let me get some, whatever he says. He, that people who come in, man, there's something different about this brother. And probably, probably as soon as he walks into the restaurant, the anointing comes in the restaurant with him. But even if that's not the case, he, the way his identity is with Christ, even when he opens his mouth, I've heard him talk on the radio. I hear him just talking in conversation. And you can tell that is a God-fearing man, not just a talented singer-musician. You can tell it comes out of him. So everywhere he goes, you, you just know that that man's a born-again believer. And he's not walking around going, the word of God says, oh, you need to do this. Oh, no, he's just being him. But the Christ that's in him comes out. We can all have that. Everybody can have that. It's just how because you, you keep developing a deeper relationship because you keep acknowledging Jesus, acknowledging the Holy Spirit in your everyday life. How many have a how many have a yard that you have to take care of? If you don't tend to that yard, you're going to have weeds. It's going to be high. You're going to get letters from the HOA saying you need to cut your grass, you need to pull the weeds. And also, sometimes you have to do a thing called fertilizing. There you go. When the first, when a couple of weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, I had to go out there with the hose and attach ortho weed killer plus weed feed or feeding weed, weed and feed or whatever, and go around the whole yard with it to kill the weeds and to feed the ground. Then there's also something else you're supposed to do. It's called aeration. Where you take a thing and you run it around and it punks little holes in the ground to get air in there so to, for the function of growth. See, why am I talking? Because sometimes we've got a function of growth, bringing growth into our relationship with Jesus. It takes prayer. It takes reading the word. It takes talking to other people about Jesus. It takes, it takes not letting that sin sedative get in your life and make you callous and numb towards things in life. There's so many things that the devil has made so commonplace that we don't even recognize that we're in sin because we're sedated by the common worldly view about it. One way, I'll tell you, you know, is, well, I'll leave it alone. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways. Our young ones are being so bamboozled by so many things. It's just, you know, it's just, and, and, and what is sin? John Wesley's mother said it the best. Anything that impedes the tenderness of your conscience towards the Holy Spirit and towards Christ. Anything that could take that tenderness of the relationship with Jesus away. I mean, how many out, you know, if you're out there smoking blunts, are you praising God? Like, ooh, Jesus, you're so good. <laughs> Oh, oh, God, thank you. You created. Oh, and then you start, but then you recognize him Buddha, so you better watch out. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, the only way he wants to do is get you divided. I'm going to wrap this up. 
But James 1.8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Remember the scripture in, 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 in Revelations where he, he talks to the layer of the say in church and he says that you're lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot or cold. All Jesus wants you to do is make up your mind about him. Who is he? Is he God? Is he your savior or is he not? Because there's no in between. He's not Tinkerbell. He's not your Dr. Phil. He's not your Oprah. My God, getting counsel from either one of them, you'd be in some trouble, praise God. You got to get your counsel from Jesus. He's not, he's not your fan. You should be his fan. Now, he loves you, and he encourages you, but sometimes I think we've got the role reversed. Like, he's supposed to be our servant. He already served us. He already served us at the cross. We are his servants, but we get to have the benefits of the powers that he has. But a lot of times we think that he's just our little to-do list guy. You know how the wives give us honey-do lists? That's how we treat Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do this. Oh, hey, Jesus, don't forget this. Oh, hey, while you're at it, can you go pick up my laundry from the dry cleaners? And, and can you mow the lawn for me? Oh, Jesus, do this. Jesus, do that. That's not what Jesus is for. Jesus did all he can do for us on the cross of Calvary. But in doing that, he gave us victory over the enemy. See, but a lot of us as Christians, we have a split personality. We're Christian, but we, st we still satisfy and, and stick by the worldview. There are things going on in this world that if you're a Christian right now, should absolutely bother you. Should absolutely get you upset. But yet we'll say, oh, well, you know, times have changed. And no, times have not changed. The Bible is still the Bible. You know, the one thing when I was talking about this sin as a sedative, you know, Jesus coming and dying makes us not, the law still exists. But we have grace when we break it. But Jesus, remember, he said, I did not come to erase the law, but I came to fulfill the law. So Bible says, thou shall not kill. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not covet thy neighbor's things. Thou shalt not steal. You know, Moses only came down with 10, but there's like 250 or more. But he came down with 10. Because he knew man couldn't have trouble. With, he's going to have trouble with those, praise God. But... They're still there. So when we transgress from them, we still need the grace of God because we would still be bound to them without God. And that's where sin comes in. Sin starts, getting you, starts you with a small little area. And then you get comfortable with that one. Next thing you know, you're moving further and further away from God, further and further away from trying to follow his laws. We need to get back to basics of believing who Jesus is. And he is the one and only true living God, number one. Number two, he is Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Now, this is what I'm closing with, because I know we got to get out of here. This is what I'm closing with today, and I want you all to repeat this with me. The first thing I want you to say is, I am saved. saved. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, say this loud from the top of your lungs. Say, I am saved. I am saved. Amen. Romans 8, Romans 10, 13 says that from whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.
So if you've called on the name of the Lord as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. That's good news. The next thing you can say, say this when we say, I am healed. No, come on, say it like you're healed. Say, I am healed. Isaiah 53, verse 4. For whosoever shall call the name of the Lord again shall be saved. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, behold, Isaiah 53, 4 was where it says that by his stripes we are healed. Jesus healed. You know, there's 39 stripes on Jesus' back. And when you go and list the medical categories of things that are wrong, that can be wrong with humans, there's 39 of them. Now it includes like, you know, like psychiatric would be one. There's, it's amazing. Now say to say, I am delivered. No, say it like you've been snatched out of that devil's hand. Say, I am delivered. Amen. Second Peter 2, 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to preserve the unjust, reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. See, y'all may be looking around and like, well, why, why are the wicked not getting punished? Don't worry, they're going to get theirs. Like they just said that he reserves the right, the, the, them to be, they're going to be a day. They're going to get punished. They're going to find out that the one they were following was wrong. Now, here's a good one. Say, I am protected. Say, I am, I am protected. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. If you fear the Lord, the angel, if you fear the Lord, when you need that protection, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the God that's already there with you will assign his angels to camp around you and protect you. See, because first off, back to the Psalm 23. Notice it says, in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. Prepare a table. Now, have you ever been, have you ever been to a restaurant where they actually prepare your table? I mean, even Golden Corral, they go and they wipe it off and they clean it up. You got to get your own stuff. But sometimes you go to a restaurant and you go, hold on, and, and they bring you, they put silverware down and they prepare the table with you, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Where's the waiter? Where's the, where's the person preparing your table? They're in the restaurant. They're there. So how could God prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies if he's not already there with you? Feel me? You go to a restaurant, you go to sit down, and waiters come up, hey, want some water, and they put, they, they, they prepare your table because they're there. They're not doing it via Zoom. They're not at home going, okay, drop down some tableware on their, silverware on their table. They're there in the restaurant. They're there in your presence at taking your order. Same thing with God. When you're going through your trouble, he's right there in the middle of it with you, and he'll prepare a table in the, oh, my God. So you can say, I'm protected. Two more. Two more. I am preserved. Say, I am preserved. Psalm 121, 7 says, The Lord preserved thee from all evil, and he preserveth thy soul. That word preserve, one part of that meaning means to put a hedge around. So that, that's not just preserve, that's protection. But then you know, preservatives, how many, 
cheat things like eat strawberry preserves or you eat some things like like Twinkies. They have preservatives in it. Do you know that Twinkies will survive a nuclear war and they'll be on you? You you have a nuclear war. It'd be 50 years from now there'd be a Twinkie on the shelf and you can eat it. It's still good because it's got all those preservatives in it. But I can tell you what, God's preservatives are even better. Amen. And y'all know I'm telling the truth about them Twinkies. Nuclear, nuclear holocaust happened, you get out, there'd be a cockroach eating a Twinkie, praise God. Those are the two things that'll survive. <laughs> yeah, Wesley, Twinkies alone now. Praise God. No, no Twinkies are good. <laughs> anyway. The next thing is say, I am made whole. No, say it like you believe it, that I am made whole. Psalm 34:10. The young lions do lack and they suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. See, but all of these can be still summed up. We call upon the name of the Lord and now shall be saved, because that word saved means to be made whole. When you're made whole, you got the identity. You understand that your God is with you. You're protected, that you're healed, that you're saved, that you're delivered, that you're preserved, and you're made whole. See, God fulfills everything on the inside of you that you'll ever need. All the things that we fill our time with, there's a lot of things we fill our time with because they think it, we feel like it does something for us. It's really not doing something for us. It's like going to the doctor with pain and he gives you medication. The medication is just hiding the symptoms of the pain. It's not fixing the issue and that's what we do as as humans we find things to fill our time and to oh fix our boredom or whatever it is that we're doing we that but they don't really do anything for us you know there's some things like certain tv shows we will not be late we will chicago pd come on at whatever time it come on we in front that tv five minutes before because we want to make sure that we see the first word hank voice says Y'all know I'm telling the truth because Hank Voice is bad. But how committed are we to things that deal with Jesus? Because we've got comfortable and Jesus understands. Oh, Jesus knows I'm a little tired today, so I'm going to you know, take some time off from praying and reading his word. Jesus like, how do you know that that's not the moment, that one time is Jesus got something he want to give you. And the enemy brought that boredom and that spirit of tiredness or whatever on you because he knows Jesus got something good for you. Well, he doesn't actually know, but he wants to try to prevent you at every opportunity. So we got to get back to the basics on who God is in our lives. Amen. We're saved. We're delivered. We're protected. We're preserved. And we're made whole. And you know what I'm going to do? How many would like to have that list? Okay. I'm going to put it on the website. I'm going to put it together on the app and get it so you guys, hopefully maybe even download it, but you're able to be able to resource it and use it. Because that's something I think you should use every day of your life. You should know those things. That God's going to put a hedge of protection around you. That you're protected. That you're made whole. That you're saved. You're preserved. And you're protected. Everybody needs to know that. When you go to your job and you feel like you're in the, in, in the lion's den with a bunch of people that just want to tear you up, you should know, you know what, no matter what, I'm protected, 
My God's preserving me. He got a hedge around me. My God has placed a hedge around me between me and them fools. Amen. And God will give me an opportunity to introduce them to him one at a time. Amen. So world Harvest Worship Center. Reaching our world. One life. One city. One nation.